I always try to uh, ask the Lord to let me preach an appropriate message. And so today is, uh, we celebrate Old Fashioned Day, we celebrate Memorial Day. And so I, I have a message that I've tried to combine both of those special days and, and make it one message. Uh, t- of course, tomorrow we'll t- celebrate Memorial Day or Decoration Day, a day that was set aside originally to decorate the graves of those that paid the ultimate sacrifice in fighting for their country, a day that we set aside to remember those who not only gave their lives but who served defending the freedoms that, that, and the way of life that we enjoy today. And so I picked the text verse uh, for today, thinking of those that gave their lives. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, I think is a fitting verse uh, for them. I think it's a verse that applies to every veteran whose body lays in a grave someplace in the world today. And we saw some of the pictures in Sunday school of American graveyards around the world But I think the the last part of that verse applies to every veteran today when it says, They being dead, yet speaketh. They being dead, yet speaketh. They speak from the grave. They remind us that our freedom is not free. They remind us that somebody had to pay the price for the freedom that we enjoy today. Individuals gave their lives. Parents gave their children. Husbands and wives gave their spouses. Children gave their parents. And I dare say that every person in this room this morning is related to somebody or knows somebody who we should remember tomorrow. Who tomorrow we should thank God for the sacrifice that they made so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we do. And I hope you'll, again, read that little thing I put in the bulletin uh, this morning. In light of the sacrifices they made, the very least that we could do is take part in and claim the freedoms that they purchased for us. Again, you're here this morning claiming and, and taking part in the freedom to worship. We need to take part in the freedom that we have to speak out against sin. You see, those in the world today that are promoting this agenda of sin, they'd like nothing better than for Christians to be silent about right and about wrong and about sin. They, 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 they say that if we say anything, all, anything at all, it just shows how much we hate people. We don't hate people. We hate sin. We love the sinner, but we hate sin. And we need to take part in the freedom that was purchased for us to speak out. For right and to speak out against wrong. When you can take advantage of the freedom to vote. What a shame it is for Christians not to go to the polls and vote. Well, we think our one vote won't make a difference. Yeah, it makes a difference. It makes a difference to that one who gave their life to give us that right to vote. It makes a difference to that family member that sacrificed a son or a daughter or, or, or a parent defending that, the freedom that we have to, to vote. Next election day, don't think about how inconvenient it is for you to make your way to the polls. Think about the family that gave the life of an individual to defend the right that you have to vote and then go vote. And you know, it's not a strange thing that they speak from the grave. 
Because the Bible says that somebody else did. The Bible says, and I want you to notice the text verse again, verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 11. And by the way, I can't think of a more old-fashioned message than going back to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, and, 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 and telling you the story of Cain and Abel, uh, and about sin, and about the, the sacrifice that God demands for sin. But that verse says in verse 4, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. We know this morning that Hebrews chapter 11 is the roll call of heroes of faith in the Bible. The first one that's listed in that roll call of the heroes of faith is this man that we know as Abel. He was the second son of Adam and Eve. He's mentioned in the Bible only 11 times. He's mentioned seven times in Genesis chapter 4, the chapter that tells his story. He's mentioned two times by Christ in the gospel as Jesus testified that Abel was righteous. He's mentioned twice in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, that we read for our text verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, which I'll read for you in a minute when I get to a later part of my sermon. You know the story. Adam and Eve put in a perfect place. Told by God they can enjoy everything in the Garden of Eden. There was only one rule. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A lot of people think it was an apple tree. I don't know if it was an apple tree. God doesn't tell us what kind of fruit tree it was. But there was one tree among all the trees in the garden that God said, don't eat of this fruit. It's mine. In the day you eat of it, you'll die. Well, we know the story. Satan came in the form of a serpent, tempted Eve. She ate the fruit, saw it was desirous to look at uh, and would make one wise like God. She ate it. She gave it to Adam. Adam eat, ate it. And uh, as a result, uh, sin came into the world. By the way, that in its, in, the, in its simplest form is what sin is. It's disobedience to God. It's when God says, this is my way, and man says, God, I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. God's way was to leave the fruit alone. Man says, well, I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. And they took of the fruit and they ate of the fruit of the tree that God told them not to. We read their story in Genesis chapter 3. They tried to cover their sin. They tried to cover their nakedness by making aprons of fig leaves. I want to tell you something this morning. Sin cannot be covered by man. Only God can cover sin. And so before God expelled Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 verse 21, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. I want to tell you something, and I can't spend any time on it. I want you to notice the difference between an apron and a coat. And again, I don't have time to really get into it, but when man tries to cover sin, they can't, they they make aprons. But when God covers sins, he makes coats. He covers it all. And so he made them coats, but he made them coats of animal skins, of skins. Because you see, right there in the Garden of Eden, 
When sin came into the world, in the very same chapter that we learn about sin, God is teaching Adam and Eve, God is teaching man, God is teaching us that sin has to be covered, sin has to be paid for by a blood sacrifice. Nothing else will cover sin. The blood of an innocent animal, even way back in the Garden of Eden, in that place that knew no death, death had to come so that man's sin could be covered. Well, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They had two sons that we read about in Genesis chapter 4. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Abel was a keeper of sheep. And I believe, even though the Bible doesn't say it, I just believe it because it's consistent with how God operates throughout the whole Bible. I believe that God taught through his, through their parents. And by the way, that's some, when, when children are little, when children are in our homes under our influence and under our control, it is our responsibility to teach them about God. I mean, we as a church and, your, and the Sunday school teachers in this church, they'll help. But it's not, it's, not, it's not your kid's Sunday school teacher responsibility to teach them about God. It's yours. And I believe that God used Adam and Eve to ke- teach Cain and Abel that he was only to be approached with a blood sacrifice. I don't believe that God holds us accountable for things he doesn't tell us about. And I believe when he held Cain accountable for the kind of sacrifice that he brought, it was only that after God had made sure through Adam and Eve that Cain knew how he was to come to God, that he was to bring a blood sacrifice. And so I read from Genesis chapter 4 where the Bible says, And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 is talking about when it says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Because you see, Abel brought a blood sacrifice. He brought a sacrifice that was in in, in obedience to the command and to the instruction that God gave man. Abel did it God's way Abel did it in the way that God told him to do it. You see, way back in Genesis chapter 4, God's painting a picture. In, in, in Cain and Abel, God is painting a picture of all mankind that would follow them. Abel represents all those that approach God, God's way. Cain represents all those that try to approach God their way. And every person that has ever walked on the face of the earth fall into one of those two groups. They either come and approach God the way that God tells them to come, or they try to approach God in some man-made way, their way, trying to get right with God. By the way, you and I, every single person in this room this morning, fall into one of those two groups. You've either approached God the way that God has has said to come, 
or you have approached God your own way, a way of your own making, a way of your own device. We either come to God his way or we come our way. And the results of trying to approach God, God's response to us coming hasn't changed down through the centuries. God has respect or accepts us if we come his way. And God rejects us if we try to come our way. Now, I'll point out to you this morning. I think Cain's sacrifice was the best of his harvest. I don't know if it was fruit, grain, or vegetable. But I know it was the best that he had to offer. I believe it was the the pick of the crop. I believe it was the prized specimen of everything that he harvested. But God had said, don't come without a blood sacrifice. You see... There ain't no blood and fruit. This is deep preaching, isn't it? There ain't no blood and grain. There ain't no blood in vegetables. When man tries to approach God his way and brings the work of his hands, it always results in the rejection of God. The Bible says that Abel brought the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof. Abel brought a blood sacrifice. Abel approached God, God's way. And it wasn't his goodness that resulted in God declaring him righteous. It wasn't his character that resulted in God declaring him righteous. That's what God did. He took that, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it wasn't how good Abel was. It wasn't how much character it has. He was declared righteous by God based on the sacrifice that he brought. The blood sacrifice. He came God's way, and God declared him righteous. Jesus testified to that fact in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. Abel's included in the roll call of the faithful in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. Not because he was a good guy, although he think he was a good guy. Not because he was a man of character, although I think he was a man of character. He was testified to be righteous by Jesus Christ. He was included in Hebrews chapter 11 based on the sacrifice that he offered to God. The blood sacrifice. So let me ask you this morning. Let me ask you. How have you approached God? How have you approached God? Have you come your way? Do you come to God before God this morning offering up the works of your hands? Your good works. Your righteousness. Righteousness is, as the book of Isaiah says. Do you come to God offering up your deeds? The Bible says that we are not saved, that we are not declared righteousness by works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says all of our righteousnesses in God's sight are as filthy rags. Is that the way you've come? Or have you come God's way? You see, 
God's way has changed a little much, a little bit, since Abel's day. We still come by blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins. But we don't come with the blood of, his, of an innocent animal. We come with blood that is much more precious. Hebrews 12, 24, the last time in the Bible that Abel's mentioned, it says this, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. You see, all the blood of all the lambs and all the bulls and all the goats was just a preview of the blood to come. The blood of all the animals sacrificed on the altars down through the ages. The Bible just says it's a picture. It's a pattern of the blood that would one day be offered. I want to tell you something this morning. We have something better than a preview. We have something better than a picture. We have something better than a pattern. We have something better than the blood of an innocent animal. We have the blood of the Son of God, the Lamb of God, that taketh away the sin of the world. As he was offered on Calvary, God put all his sin upon his Son. And Jesus Christ, by his death and by the shedding of his blood, paid for our sins. That's what we bring to God. If we approach Him God's way, we bring the blood of the perfect, sinless Son of God that was shed on Calvary to pay for our sin. Jesus said, I am the way. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus is God's way. If you don't come through Jesus, you're not coming to God the right way, and you'll never get there. If you're bringing anything else to come to God, you're doing it your way. And he'll reject you. He'll reject you. He'll reject you. You see, even as Christians, we face the same choice that Cain and Abel had. Most of us this morning are saved. We're on our way to heaven. Let me ask you this morning, how are you living your life? Are you living it God's way? Or you're living it your way. God has a plan for your life. He has a way he wants you to live that life. He tells us what that is in this book, in the Bible. We, we as Christians need to understand is that God made us. He knows all about us. He knows all about how we should live our life. We just need to decide to live it his way. Or we can decide that we know more about God. We know more than God. And we can live our life by our own plan, by our own schemes, by our own devices. I'll tell you something this morning. I'll let you in on a little secret. It's far better to live our life according to God's plan for it than it is ours. young man bought his first new car. He took it out for his first ride. Took it out in the country. 
revved up the engine, rolled down the windows, just enjoying his first new car. After a few minutes, the car sputtered, coughed, spit, and quit, as Fords often do. So as it was coasting, he pulled over to the side of the road, got out, went to the front, opened the hood. He was a little bit mechanically inclined, and so he began to tinker with different things that he thought might have caused the condition. A car pulled up behind his. An old man got out, walked to the front of this young man's car and joined him under the hood and said, is there anything I can help you with? The young man looked at him. It was an old man. This was a grandpa. He thought to himself, what does this guy know about cars? And he said, a little bit, a little bit disrespectfully, he said, oh man, I don't need your help. I probably forgot more about cars than you ever knew. And the old man smiled and turned away, got back in his car and drove away. That old man was named Henry Ford. (laughs) He was the creator of that car that broke. When our lives break, it is so much better to put them in the hands of the creator than it is in ours because he knows more about us than we'll ever know about ourselves. So let me ask you again, how are you living your life this morning? Are you living it God's way? Are you living it your way? Be far better off to do it the way he says. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day that you've given us to remember not only those that have paid the price for the freedom that we enjoy. But, Father, thank you that you've given us this day to remember an old-fashioned gospel that tells us how to get right with you. And I pray for those that may be in this room this morning that have tried to approach you their own way. Their works, their goodness, their deeds. Father, help them to see that it doesn't work. They're going to end up just like Cain. You'll have no respect for their offering. You won't receive it. They'll never be right with you. Father, help them to see that the only kind of sacrifice that will work was the one that you offered on Calvary on our behalf. A sacrifice of your dear son who shed his blood to pay for our sins. And Father, if there's just one person here this morning that's never received the gift that Jesus purchased for them there on Calvary, I pray this morning would be the time that they do it. This moment, right now, today, that they would receive the salvation that you offer, the gift of salvation that you offer to every person. I pray for the many Christians that are here. Help us to live our life according to your plan, according to your will. Father, if if we're not, shake us this morning. 
get our attention. Help us to come back to you and say to our creator, I put my life in your hands. You take care of it. Just bless this time of invitation. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Help us to be obedient to do what you tell us to do. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.